Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Adam Catterall on TalkSport. Good evening and welcome to Fight Night, uh, your new home for British boxing. TalkSport is the place. Make sure you tune in to us every single Saturday night. Normally we're at 10 o'clock. Tonight's slightly late because of the international football uh, with an 11 o'clock start, but we've got lots to talk about. It's not like it's been an uneventful week in the world of fight sports. We will be going into the world of boxing. We will be going into the world of mixed martial arts. And I am delighted to say that my illustrious colleague, after jet-setting around the world for nine weeks, non-stop, back-to-back, like a student on one of those gap years, this boy, let me tell you. But he's been covering every fight sport under the sun. He's not on the phone this week. He sat right next to me. Mr. Gareth there, Davis, welcome. How are you, sir? It's great to be here, Adam. You know, people keep asking me, you travel so much, the kind of clothes you wear, your, your, your van's pants that you wear, you're having a midlife crisis. No, I'm having the midlife time of my life, baby. <laughs> and I'd like to point out for people that uh, obviously just listen to the radio and want to get more of a picture of the type of people that are presenting this type of radio <laughs> show to you, get yourself on Gareth's social media at this moment in time. At Gareth A. Davis DT, go and have a little bit of an Aussie. He's posted a picture. You can see my ugly mush, but his array of fantastic trousers. And he's even got on his face right at this moment in time, Showtime specs. That's what you've gone for tonight, haven't you? You've got a special set of specs that you stick on just personally for the show. Yeah, they are very focal, I hasten to add. They are proper specs, but, uh, you know, a little bit of a blue hue tonight. Uh, I shouldn't have worn them while we were facing off with our gloves on oh, earlier nice. on by the talk sports sign. But, um, listen, this, this is... This is the cornucopia for us. We are both Whoa, whoa, huge. whoa, what's that? That's a big word. Well, listen, I'm going to be using Latinate and Greek sentences tonight to hopefully <laughs> confuse you, Adam. I'll with do lemons. No, with your... <laughs> but, you know, look, I know what a huge fight fan and, and fight analyst you are, and uh, it's great to be here with you. And, you know, look, the, the thing is at the moment... Fight sports are riding high, and I know we're going to talk about UFC, UFC and Bellator and MMA, and uh, but boxing's really huge at the moment. It's it's an amazing time mm. to have a little knowledge and and be be kind of interred in the industry, as you know. You, I mean, you you got to do the broadcast on Anthony Joshua, Carlos Takam, and Cardiff last mm. week. These are major occasions that you never forget in your career. You know, when you've got eight, 70, 80, 90,000 people in the stadium and you're you're working, it doesn't feel like work. You know, you and I might grow up we'll one day and get a proper job. 
jobs. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, well, let me tell you what's coming up on the show tonight. We've got, uh, hopefully we'll be speaking to Frank Warren at some point off the back end of Liam Smith, Liam Williams, which is currently going on at this moment in time. We'll try our very best to keep you up to date with that, but we're going to get stuck into many other topics as well. Uh, Scott Quigg's attending that fight. He was in action in Monte Carlo last week. Hopefully we'll have him on the phone as well. Gareth's been catching up with a plethora of uh, boxing beauties uh, over the last uh, six to eight weeks, uh, including... The, one, of the, one of the greatest of all time who will be going into our Hall of Fame later on. It will be Larry Holmes. Fantastic conversation that you've had with him. Uh, you're going to give us a little bit of a, a background on Larry a little bit later on in the show as well. And of course, we have to talk about what Connor did in Dublin last night because Gareth was there. He witnessed it all at face value. So we'll be getting stuck into that. But first, we will start with the heavyweights. If you're not too clued up with what's been going on in the world of the heavyweights over the last seven days, take a listen to this. <laughs> Big Anthony Joshua, the big tough man. To be honest with you, my old mate, I don't need to get fit for somebody like you at all. I can come to you now and punch all your face right in for you, even at 25 stone. I've seen what you're about. You just fought a the other day in a hard fight. The referee had to stop it in case you got uh, caught or beat. The way to beat Tyson Fury is like a Mike Tyson style. Um, but you need a lot of energy and you need to be fit and strong. Because if not, he's going to play with you. We will do whatever it takes to see that fight, to see our champion get in the ring. Joshua is a tremendous fighter, a tremendous role model. Both want to fight. The world wants to fight. I believe it's the right moment. I'm one of the best finishers in the division, and I think I can say that hands down. I'm one of the best finishers. If I smell blood, you might as well count yourself out of there. I'm going to get you out of there. Go back to the last era of heavyweight. There's big fight after big fight. Now all you've got is, I mean, who are you going to say Joshua's got to jump in with? He's got to jump in with um, Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder, whenever his name is mentioned to me, there's no fear in him when he's on the fight. I just see him as, okay, he's a big guy, he can hit, but he hasn't a good chin, and when he gets hit, he reacts badly from getting hit. I think the champions in the heavyweight division or any division shouldn't be dodging anyone. I think they should all fight fight each other just to see who the best I, Everyone wants to know who the best is. I want to know who the, the best is, so I want to, I want to fight you know, Deontay or Joshua. What you see is what you get with me. But what you're seeing right now is not what you're getting with David Hay. It's, it's a bit of a... What you're seeing in that first fight, the way he conducts himself, that's him. That is him to a T. That's just the way he is. He's an egotistical maniac. And he's a clown. He's not a nice guy. I can't beat Tony Bailey. My competitive boxing career is effectively over. There's no even need me mentioning any other names in the heavyweight division about wanting to fight for titles or fight this guy, that guy. If I can't beat Tony Bellew, then it's over. Uh, the heavyweight division is buzzing at this moment in time uh, and we are covering it live and exclusive here on TalkSport. December the 17th, make sure you come and join us from the O2. The last two protagonists that you heard there in that conversation, obviously uh, David Hay and Tony Bellew will be going at it again. Can't wait for that one. You'll be able to hear it live, like I said, here on TalkSport. By the way, if you want to get involved with anything that myself and Gareth are talking about tonight, you're more than welcome to do so. We've got a couple of Twitter handles. Uh, Gareth's probably the best to answer all this. At Gareth A. Davis DT. All right. Uh, that's what, that way you can <laughs> check out his pants. Adam Catterall, double T, double L. There correct? you go. There you go. That's where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to ring as well, you're more than welcome to do so. This is your show as much as it is ours. 08717 You can text on 81089. We're into round four of uh, Smith Williams. It's a bit nip and tuck. It hasn't really kicked off 
off yet, but when it does, we will tell you all about it. It's interesting, Ed, I tell you at the moment, just a, just a very quick update on that fight. Williams is firing his jab out really quickly, getting uppercuts in, and I really do think we're, we're, we're just at the end of the fifth now, actually, and, um, you know, it's a f- fascinating fight. I mean, you and I were watching this before we came on air. They're going to box for a few rounds, and then mm. they're going to get into the hard trenches, I reckon, in about two rounds' time. But um, Smith will come into his own later in the fight, but right now, uh, Williams is ahead in the fight. Now, regarding the heavyweight division, um, it has, over the last seven days, decided to just go up a gear. Yeah, we kind of like social media, don't we, Gareth? We like people getting involved in the old social media. Um, Now, for the last two years, we have seen this situation with Tyson Fury and UKAD and the British Board uh, Boxing Control all being played out over that period Mm. of time. Such a massive delay. And this week, we've learned a little bit more Tell us a bit about well, it. Well, I mean, the, the backdrop to all of this, and if that that um, montage, that package doesn't wet your whistle for an, a number of heavyweight fights coming up and what's going on in the division now, nothing ever will. It's an amazing time for the heavyweight division, just to put the backdrop on it, that, you know, because three unbeaten world champions, Tyson Fury in abeyance at the moment. In abeyance because, to put, put everyone in the picture that's listening... Um, there wasn't a, a trace of nandrolone in his body way back when he was tested in February 2015. Um, he was exonerated by mm. the UK anti-doping, uh, as you mentioned there. That was before the Klitschko before fight. Before the Klitschko yeah. fight. Seven months later, he won the world title. He shocked the world. He won three of the world belts at the time um, and really did put himself on the map as one of the, the great modern heavyweights by doing so. One of the greatest uh, wins by a British boxer abroad in history. Um, after that, Tyson... Lost focus. Hmm. He didn't have someone he was wanted to fight next. He didn't really... Yes, there could have been a Klitschko rematch. Those things fell through. There were injuries and so on. But he wasn't really motivated. He even spoke to us at the time because I was part of the presentation of his ring magazine belt up the time yeah, yeah, on yeah. Morecambe, on the beach in Morecambe. Mm. Uh, it wasn't done on the beach in Morecambe. It was done in a hotel on the beach in Morecambe. And there was a sense that day that... Tyson was talking about he'd potentially reached his Everest because he couldn't see. He'd just beaten a guy that had reigned for nine and a half years as yeah. the heavyweight champion of the world. He'd beaten an emeritus champion. He'd done something said that people said he would never do. Um, and he had fulfilled a prophecy for his family who come from 10 generations of bare-knuckle fighters. As we know, they're travelers. They're very proud people. And he'd almost been groomed and brought up to be a boxer, not to fight fair fights with his fists in the on the sites, but to, but to be a boxer like his cousin Huey Fury. Um, and as a result of that, that uh, positive test, which was not enough for him to have action taken against him, mm. and I've looked into the background of this, human beings make nandrolone, they make traces of nandrolone, they make that, uh, that uh, it's not a drug, they, they make that uh, essence in their bodies. And if he had had more than was viable in his body, they would have taken action. He would never have fought Vladimir Klitschko because yeah. he would have been up on, on a charge. So there is a strange scenario going on. That's why the Fury say there's a witch hunt against them. Fury upset a lot of people. He upset the gay community. He upset the religious community. And as we know, in modern life, you upset those people with comments. He made comments. They went viral. We know the story now. And Tyson became denigrated. He had mental health issues. And he kind of went off the rails. Yeah. So, you know, and he admitted to taking cocaine. He lost his license. The... the the point with him now is UK anti-doping have had a hearing to crying uh, he wants to clear his name. He's also suing them at the same time. That came out this week. Um, when I was with him in Marbella a few months back, um, he was talking sums of around £50 million that he believed he could sue um, the UKAD for uh, or, or sue whoever was stopping him from, from fighting because he's a big earner. You know, by beating Klitschko, he became one of the big earners. So he's in abeyance. 
We know every time Anthony Joshua fights, we hear from Tyson Fury on, on social media. Uh, because he, he, he sees what's happening and he's got a man to test himself against. He's got a man he wants to fight. He's got a man he wants to take the mantle from. And he is the best boxer in the heavyweight division. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Tyson Fury is the best boxer in the heavyweight division. He might not be the biggest puncher. He might not be the most athletic. He might not be the, the, the most sculpted. He might not be um, the most honed in terms of physique. But he's the best boxer. He's got a fantastic boxing IQ. We've seen that all through his career. He wants to get back now. What we need resolved is whether there's going to be a court case with UK anti-doping and whether they can get this, uh, this case adjourned to get him cleared. How much longer does he serve as a ban? I think he'll be back midway through late in 2018, mid to late 2018. It will get resolved. In the meantime, Anthony Joshua fights Carlos Takam two weeks ago. It's not a great performance in some ways. It's a late-notice opponent, 12-days-notice super sub with a granite chin. And he does a good job, and he's 20-0 20, 20 with 20 stoppages, so let's not, get, you know, let's not mix bones about this. He did a, you know, he's done a great job in his career so far. But everyone's having a go at him. Deontay Wilder's having a go from America, saying he's running scared and he's declaring war after he beats uh, Bermain Stavern last week. You know, obviously, we, we, I was at the show there, and you know, we spoke about it last week. Um, Tyson Fury's having a pop at him. Joseph Parker's having a pop and Anthony Joshua. And just to complete the round here, of course, Anthony Joshua comes out this week and he tells Tyson Fury How to is. get in shape, you big fat F. <laughs> and, you know, Anthony Joshua doesn't use expletives. So one word, the more is less strategy. And suddenly everybody's gone, God, man, he's lost his rag. No, he wrested control back in the division. He told Joseph Parker, I'm waiting for you to sign a contract because he wants to fight Joseph Parker at the O2 Arena on February the 3rd. That's what they want to happen. And then Deontay Wilder in the summer and, you know, perhaps back at Cardiff, Principality Stadium, Mm. we'll all be there hopefully, and he'll fight Tyson Fury late in the year. That's the picture at the moment. Well, we're going to continue talking about the heavyweight division uh, next. Make sure you stick around to us uh, on Fight Night. You're listening to TalkSport. You're more than welcome to get in contact with the show. At Adam Catterall, at Gareth A. Davis, DT, 08717-223344. What Gareth just said there, do you agree? Is Tyson Fury the best boxer in the heavyweight division? Get in contact with the show. It's your new home for British boxing. Um, every Saturday night, normally at 10 o'clock, we get stuck in for two hours talking about the whole fight scene, whether it be boxing, whether it be MMA, whatever it is, the big topics of the week. And hopefully, uh, with Gareth's ridiculous contact book, we'll be getting some of the biggest names in fight sports on with us uh, as well. So make sure you come and join us every Saturday night, 10 o'clock, right here on TalkSport. And as well as that, we've got the live fights as well. Our next one is December the 17th at Bellevue Hair 2 at the O2 Arena. We'll have live exclusive commentary of that. It's me, Adam Catterall, Gareth Air Davis with you uh, through to one o'clock this morning, slightly later because of the football. Uh, Smith Williams 2 is going on at this moment in time. Um, they are, if my eyes aren't deceiving me, into the sixth there, Gareth, is it? It's the eighth, actually. Uh, they're into the eighth. My eyes are bad, mate. I need to get your yeah, glasses yeah, on. Yeah, no, time is. passes quickly. This is what happens, actually, <laughs> when you're enjoying yourself. They're into the eighth with that yeah. one. Don't um, back down, Ed. Don't back down. Now, you've just given us a, uh, a little bit of a background of the heavyweight division and where Tyson Fury is at and uh, everything that's happened this week with AJ coming out on Twitter, trying to regain uh, control of all that. Now, you've recently met up with Larry Holmes. Larry Holmes is going to be in our Hall of Fame later on. We'll explain all that to everybody that's never listened to this show a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but let's hear from you with Larry on AJ. And then I'd love to get your take on sitting down with the great man. That would mm. be absolutely amazing. Take a listen to this. I seen something while he fought that he makes a mistake 
young enough to be able to correct those things. And he could be champion as long as I was, seven and a half years. He could beat that. You know, he can break that record of Marciano's and Cliff, Cliff will not find it broken. But his, I, don't, I don't count that fight that he had. Yeah. But uh, I think he should just fight everybody. Be a world champion. You got it? Bring it to me. What impresses you about him then? Why do you think he can he can do it? He can take a punch. Mm. And he can punch. But, but you know, I didn't realize the guy was six foot six. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that helps him out. But you know, he can do all the things that a little man like me can do. And I'm still a little because three, three inches taller than me. Mm. He got the arm reach and everything else. But he can do all the things. He can, he can become champion. He can stay champion for a long time if he continue to keep his mind on the right track. You don't think he should go to America and fight Deontay Wilder then? He should do it all here in the UK. Uh, he, he can fight him. He can flip a coin. He can, he can fight, fight him in America. He can fight him here. He can fight him in Africa. He can fight him anywhere he wants. Yeah. But still, what he's got to do is be in shape. Yeah. And that's a good fight. It's going to be a hard fight. Yeah. But it's a good fight. But if you man it up, you know, man it up. Man, yeah. you, you, you bad, you can take this guy, you're a champion, show him that you're a champion, you know? You say it's a very tough fight with Wilder, but you believe that he can beat Wilder, yeah? Yeah, that's my opinion. My opinion, I haven't seen him fight in about three or four months or whatever, but, you know, that's my opinion, what I did see. And uh, because these guys, when you, when you hit them and hurt them, they get up with a lot of fire, and you got to be ready for that fire. Mm. And if you hit them and hurt them, and you're not ready for the fire, fire <laughs> you're going to get hurt. Um, t- tell me, I, I've never asked you this, but how do you feel about the current state of the heavyweight division? Could any of these guys, could could a developed Joshua have lived with any of you guys in your golden era? Um, that's hard. Mm. That's hard, because we did 15 rounds. Yeah. Make some great points there, does Larry Holmes. And fantastic just to hear him in conversation with you in, in, the, in that way. And one of the things that sticks out for me in that conversation is you've got the best have to fight the best. In his era, they did. In this era, it hasn't happened as of yet. As a fight fan, when you look back down the years, yeah, you remember great fights, but what I remember the most of is great trilogies. Last week on the mm. show, we were talking about Bo Holyfield, mm. All three of those fights, absolute crackerjacks. And when you think of the golden era of boxing, whatever that may be for you as a fight fan, whatever era you've grown up in, you will remember trilogies, multiple fights between the same guys. We need to see that here, don't we? Definitely. And, you know, I mean, when you think of, of Larry's era with with um, Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman, it, amazingly, he never fought George Foreman. We did speak about George Foreman in that interview as well. He said, I'd fight him now. He, George is 68 and Larry's, <laughs> or 67 and 69. He said, I'd fight him now. He said, I'd come over and I'd fight him in Britain in front of a big crowd if you want to, on the undercard of Joshua. Um, they, they, it was a brilliant era. Norton as well, and all yeah, these guys. You know, Eddie Shavers. So, Shavers. All these guys. I mean, they, you know, these, these amazing African American boxers. And amazingly, he calls himself a small man compared to Joshua, and as the heavyweight, as super heavyweights as they are now. The point. Larry's making so well is that if those guys had avoided each other like has happened in other eras and we've got four undefeated guys in Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder and Joseph Parker if they all 
spend too long as champions undefeated. We don't have the chance to develop a great era. The reason why Larry's so impressed with Joshua is because of what he came through against Vladimir Klitschko. He knocked Klitschko down in the fifth. He went down himself like a sack of potatoes Absolutely. in the sixth. He went through a torrid period and he came back. That's what resonates with people inside the sport, that they know someone can come back when they're hurting in the trenches. And they only find that out in the fight. And we did find out about a lot about Anthony Joshua that night in April at Wembley Stadium. Heart, stamina, desire, chin, second wave in the fight where he came back and he did it. Are we judging him too highly after that Klitschko fight? That's the thing at the moment that we don't really know. Mm. He put away an old champion. He recovered when he was hurt himself. But we don't know how good that Klitschko really was at that point. You know, mm. It was one of the best performances I've ever seen of Klitschko. But... How good was he really? If Deontay Wilder's got him hurt, will Deontay Wilder finish him? If Joseph Parker's got him hurt, will Joseph Parker finish him? I don't think Joseph Parker will beat uh, Anthony Joshua. I think Deontay Wilder's got a good chance to. I think Tyson Fury outboxes him. Mm. You know, There's a risk that Tyson Fury could get hit and hurt, but I think he outboxes him. But we need to see all these things, Adam, because these are the questions. These are the debates in the bars. These are the things that people listening tonight want to know. And, that, and I know they are nodding right now because this is what we need that makes Absolutely. boxing in the heavyweight division great. And we need them pretty soon within the next 12 to 18 months because we don't want a situation like Mayweather-Pacquiao when people got bored of it. All right, they came back to it in the end, but then there's the argument after it all where people say, well, he was past his time and these things never should have happened five years ago. Well, even the heavyweight division where Riddick Bowe and, 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 uh, and Lennox Lewis never met. A belt was dropped in a dustbin. The WBC belt, yeah. They, uh, he, he piped it off, didn't he, did uh, Riddick, to, uh, to avoid Lennox. Um, we're going to continue this conversation about heavyweights because it's a fascinating situation that we find ourselves in at this moment in time. We'll keep, our, uh, we'll keep abreast of uh, Smith-Williams as they're entering now the 10th round. Uh, you're listening to Talk Sport Fight Night with me, Adam Catterall, and Gareth A. Davis. Uh, coming up in the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to get stuck into the Fight Night Hall of Fame, where we're going to be dumping Larry Holmes in there, and we're going to explain why we're dumping Larry Holmes in there uh, in 10 to 15 minutes, so make sure you stick with us. If you want to get involved, you can, 087172224. After midnight, we will be speaking about Conor McGregor and what he did at Bellator 187 last night. Gareth was in attendance. He's flown back in from Dublin. He's a jet setter, this boy, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, but uh, he was there in attendance last night, and he'll be giving us a first-hand uh, uh, synopsis of what happened, just in case you missed it, and what this means for Conor McGregor going forward. Crazy, crazy scenes in Dublin last night, but we'll get to that in a minute. I want to continue our conversation about the heavyweight division because I think that it's always been the glamour, glamour division. Everybody's always paid the majority of attention towards this particular division because the freaks of nature, let's be honest, mm. they're big boys and everybody loves to watch a knockout. That's the way it is. And we're very fortunate in the UK at the moment that we've got Anthony Joshua. Now, he says the right things. He looks like an Adonis. Um, he's obviously knocking kids out. 20 uh, wins by, all oh, by the way, a knockout. He had that fantastic fight in April against Vladimir Klitschko. And rightfully so, the eyes of the world are on him. He holds two of the belts in this particular division. Now, with the attention and with us being fortunate enough to have him, then there's obviously talk for these other fights to be made. I just want to talk about the guys maybe on the rung underneath here in the UK at this moment in time, Gareth, if that's all right with you, because everybody mentions Dillian's name because he's been in there with uh, AJ before and now he's being touted for fights with the likes of Deontay Wilder. But I want to go a little bit, maybe one rung underneath that. So a young, he's 20 now, isn't he? He's Daniel, Daniel Dubois, who's 20 years of age. He shot onto the scene as a 19-year-old. He hits like an absolute truck. Okay, he's still got a bit to learn, but can you see this kid at some point having the trinkets in the heavyweight division? 
Well, I don't think it's too far away. I mean, Steve on Twitter has, has tweeted at us actually asking that, Adam, uh, S-T-E-V-E-9. That's Steve 9, if my spelling's correct. Um, <laughs> he says, how far is Daniel Dubois away from getting into the heavyweight mix? Well, I did an interview with Frank Warren about uh, two weeks ago in which Frank was saying that at this stage, and I think Daniel's something like 6 or 7-0, and 0, all mm. by knockout. Mm. We haven't seen any, anyone come back at him yet. Um, Daniel... According to Frank, he reckons he's the best heavyweight he's ever seen at this stage in his career. Daniel foreshortened his... Just am- on that. Just yeah. on that. A little bit of a caveat on that. Because mm. the only one that I recollect at this age, 19, 20 years of age, is Mike Tyson. Mm. All right? The rest of them have been at the Olympics, haven't they? And they've been no- turning over, what, 24, 25 years of age. So that's the I would ch- just chuck that in there for people that haven't necessarily seen a 19-year-old professional before. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, his feeling is, and I think they're right, is that... The heavyweight division so exciting at the moment. He's better off to, to develop as a professional for two years and get 20-odd fights under his belt. Um, because Frank said to me that he thinks Daniel Dubois, within 15 months, will be ready to beat Anthony Joshua. So, and he, look, we already know that he's beaten Anthony Joshua up in sparring, knocked him over. That's the, that's um, the talk, yeah. You know, it was 18 months ago, having said that. You know, and Anthony Joshua's come on a lot since then. But Daniel Dubois was, you know, 19 years old at the time. So it, it's fascinating, really, because, you know, you mentioned the heavyweight division being the division. It's always been the blue ribbon division. It's always been the money of big, uh, the division of big money fights as mm-hmm. well. You've got heavyweight boxing and you've got the rest. So there's the other lucre, which is that so for someone like Daniel Dubois and his family... The riches in the sport. If he creates a name for himself and he's knocked out 19, 20 opponents and he gets an Anthony Joshua fight two years down the line and Anthony has already, you know, kind of made 25 defenses, or not 25 defenses, but kind of eight, nine defenses, yeah, 25 yeah. fights undefeated, 26 fights undefeated, that becomes another huge fight. It's about momentum, about promotion, about building. Dubois, the truth is, we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Listen, he can do press ups for three hours, he told me. Yeah. We had lunch with him a few So can I? Back. <laughs> That's a I joke. Thought, That's a lie, I, by the way. I, the, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, no, I don't know. I don't know. In the breaks, I'm going to ask you now to see if you can do press ups for that long. But... Dave Caldwell could. Dave Caldwell's right yeah, into no. that. Have you ever seen him do yeah, that before? Yeah, but he's he's a flyweight. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it's a heavyweight doing press ups for three hours. I'm like, I, I remember being quiet for 30 seconds. I'm rarely quiet. I, I, when he told me when I was interviewing him, I was like, no, you are actually kidding me. No, no. He said, you know, regularly I do press ups for three hours. Um, his dad took him to the gym when he was five. You know, his sister's a very good boxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's on the British amateur team. She's sixteen. Um, and there's another one. I think their their little brother. I can't remember his name. It might be Prince. Um, he's about eleven or twelve. So. The dad loves boxing. He took them to the gym. Daniel's been in the gym for 15 years. Again, what the great thing is about this, there's someone you can build up. And like you're pointing to him, to him now. I'm pointing to him now. And people will start to look at this guy. Mm. Fans in the sport know about him. And again, it's about creating these rivalries. But we must see these fights eventually. Mm. That's the point. I mean... You mentioned seeing all those unbeaten heavyweights fighting each other within the next 18 months to two years. Yeah, I think it's viable, but it might well play out over three or four. One of the things that I fear with an Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder fight is that at the moment, obviously, Joshua's on Skybox office over here. Hearn and Matchroom Sports are on Skybox office. Daniel Dubois is on... BT Sport and Box Nation, we've got two natural rivals, which we need as well, televisually. It's important you know. that you explain this, because there'll be people listening to this that are more sports fans rather than boxing, or mm. fight fans, mm. and they, they hear the word, there's, oh, there's so much politics in boxing, but there genuinely is, and it's as frustrating 
for us as it is for them. Oh, yeah. But we want to see the fights, but we know... So do the, the fighters, politi- by the way. Absolutely. The, the politi- fighters will fight anyone. Well, they are at- fighters at the end of the day. They don't back down. That's why I wanted to hear the Tom Petty song earlier. We don't back... These guys will fight. Anthony Joshua would fight Deontay Wilder, Joseph Parker, Tyson Fury, Huey Fury, and Daniel Dubois in 2018. In fact, he might fight them before the end of the year. He wants to fight them all. But it's the promoters who are guiding this career. They're guiding the, be- the biggest money fights. They're gu- guiding the deals with the television companies that's it plus all their own interests and the problem is over in america deontay wilder's got a showtime deal showtime and hbo the two big rivals like bt sport and box nation and sky over here and at the moment anthony joshua and he's been shown on showtime for a few fights now he's got one more fight left on showtime so that'll probably be march time maybe february if he fights uh, joseph parker at the o2 arena and then Eddie Hearn told me this week, and I haven't broadcast this anyway yet, he said, we're going open market after this fight, which means HBO or Showtime. It's who's going to produce the best deal. If Anthony Joshua and Hearn go to Showtime and Matchroom Sports have now have an office in the States and they go with an HBO deal, mm-hmm. it could mean he moves sideways and it becomes harder to put Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua together soon. I think it moves the fight to 2019 then. This is the kind of thing that's going on all the time. And this was one of the arguments as to why Mayweather and Pacquiao never got made because of political wranglings with promoters and TV companies and all these types of Mayweather things. Mayweather was a past master, Floyd Mayweather, of getting the right fight at the right time in the right place for the right price. End of. It really is as simple as that. We're going to the Hall of Fame next, I think. We're going to break up our little conversation by going to one of the best heavyweights of all time, a man that didn't bite down, literally. He fought the best of the best. He's the only man to stop the goat. The only man to stop the goat. We're talking Larry Holmes next. Don't go anywhere. Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport, your home for British boxing. Make sure you make an appointment every single Saturday night. Normally we start at 10 o'clock. Tonight's a little bit later with the international football that's been going on. Uh, we will be with you through till 1 o'clock. Plenty still to come. Hopefully we will be speaking to Frank Warren. We will be speaking to Scott Quigg as well. Uh, and we will uh, be getting into the conversation of Conor McGregor, of course, uh, with his antics last night in Dublin at Bellator 187. Uh, now, I am currently watching the result coming in of Smith Williams 2. And by the looks of it, we've not sound in the studio, guys. It looks like a split decision. It looks to me, like a split decision. Because they both put their hands in the air so far. And we're about to get the third one read out now. We're, we've been here many times. We sit. We, we don't. It's, Smith's got it. Smith's got it. Yeah. Looks, looks like on a split decision. We're yeah. guessing that it's a yeah. split decision, yeah. but we think yeah. it is. It was a very, very close fight, Adam. I mean, we know we were chatting. Majority boxing, decision. So I'm uh, guessing yeah, it yeah. was two to him and a draw there. Mm-hmm. So Liam Smith has taken that on a majority decision. There you go. Williams, to me, looks like he's saying to Smith he's not happy about it. And I reckon they might be sorting out a third fight here. It's nice to see them embracing here, actually. There's a lot of bad beef. You and I spoke about Liam Smith before we came on air, Ad. He, he, he didn't have his bit between the, bit, the teeth for the first fight. And I've heard about his sparring for this fight was amazing. And he was mm. really spiteful, really hurting people. He, he's, he's really underrated, Liam Smith. I mean, obviously, he's been a world champion already and lost to Canelo in, in the States. But uh, I'm really pleased for him. Uh, both these guys, Williams can come back. I think Williams could Absolutely. be a world champion one day as well. Well, we'll get stuck into that with Frank, hopefully after midnight. We'll try and catch up with him uh, live from Newcastle. Scott Quigg's in attendance as well, and we'll try and catch up with him. But right now, what I want to do... I want to touch upon that heavyweight that you've been hanging out with, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time in the shape of uh, Larry Holmes. 
let's be straight, right? When we're talking about heavyweights, we, we could rattle off some fantastic stats for some of the greatest heavyweights of all time. But this is a man that nearly, ever so nearly did the Rocky Marciano record. Very nearly. He did 48 straight, didn't he? And then he was beaten by Michael Spinks in his 49th fight. Just fell short there. But this is the only man to stop Muhammad Ali. Come on, Gareth. You've been in his presence. Tell me what the man's like. Um, Larry Holmes is... Um, do you know what's great about Larry Holmes? You chill back with him. And you get him on a subject. Did you just say you chilled back with Larry Holmes? I chilled back with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm... (laughs) Listen, he beat Muhammad Ali, of course, in... uh, Stopped him. 1980. Only man to ever stop him. But a faded Muhammad Ali. Of course. Who, you know, he'd learnt with... I mean, he spent five years as Muhammad Ali's sparring partner, remember? So it pained him. Whenever I've spoken to Larry um, about um, the Muhammad Ali fight, it's a fight he never wanted. It's a fight he needed to have because it was forced on him. Um, obviously it was a defence of the world title but he said he was beating up a guy who'd let him beat him up in the gym for five years um, and he said what, 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 what Larry Holmes really loves about Muhammad Ali is that he paved the way for them for the big bucks for the big owner he, he, he ascribes so many things that, that he has in his life down to Ali well shall we hear from him yeah. you, you had yeah. that conversation yeah. with him so let's hear yeah. from him yeah. this is Gareth with Larry Holmes talking about the greatest of all time Muhammad Ali Larry Holmes catching up with you, and you can hear the emotion in the man's voice. Oh. You know, obviously a great friend, and that is sometimes one of the things that I admire the most about fighters. That mm. it is business. At the end of the day, they have great friends, great friendships in this sport. But when the bell rings, you've got to go at it, aren't you? Because at the end of the day, one guy's trying to take food off your table. Well, the, the thing is about um, you know, as I hear from Larry there, that Muhammad Ali was the guy that gave him gloves, gave him a job, uh, let him take the money for when people pay a dollar to come in and watch them sparring in those days and gyms were full and people would come watch the sparring and Ali. I remember doing an interview with Larry. I was preparing, as we all did, for Muhammad Ali's death with big obits that we were all writing. And I did an interview with Larry, it must have been about 10 years ago, um, where I was asking him about Muhammad Ali being the greatest and he got on one. As I said, I was chilling with him. Yeah, I was chilling with the great you chill Larry. With, you chill with them all. With the Eastern Assassin. I like to, I try to. But they, I said... But he was the greatest, yeah, and he, was, he, he went off on one, and he said, no, he wasn't the greatest, he was the stupidest. He let me hit him head body, head body, head body for five years in the gym, show how tough he was. And there was a sense with Larry that he wished he hadn't hit, and hit Ali so much, because the amount he had hit him... He feels some like guilt. He contributed. Yeah, exactly. And um, 
you know, it was weird because I'd written this piece up for the obit, but then I rang him to check. He was actually on a show here on Talk Sport the, the day that Ali died. Uh, Danny Kelly and I did a three-hour special on Ali, and we had George Foreman on, and we had Bob Arum, and all, all the people that had been around Ali's life. Mm. And I'm really pleased I got hold of Larry earlier in that day because the emotion of the man that day, and I just thought, I've got to redo my piece because he was so sad, he was so down, because this was a man... He fought for 22 years after he fought Ali. Yeah. He went on to 2002. It was yeah, too he long. Yeah. He got beaten by Mike Tyson, remember? He, the era's changed hands through yeah, Larry yeah, yeah. That's why he's one of the great... He had one of the greatest jabs of all time anyway. Mm. He survived behind his jab. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the things he's hinting about about Anthony Joshua. If he gets his jab right, he could be like a Klitschko and reign well, a for lot a long of, time. A lot of people... For those that don't necessarily follow a lot of fight sports, a lot of you hear these terms, you hear the jab, you hear the cross, you hear the hook, all these types of things, right? But the jab, Larry Holmes used it as an offensive weapon. Exactly. A lot of people just palm it out there as a range finder, don't they? And yep. yeah, okay, that's that's all well and good. But in the heavyweight division, you want to be using that as a as a, a tool to beat somebody up with. Don't you? And and Larry Holmes was the absolute master of that. That left jab was ridiculous. Well, it just kept him the WBC title. I mean, <laughs> yeah, apart from did. all the other skills um, that he had, but you know, and his grit and his determination, his athleticism, his size and reach at the time. Six foot three, you know, seven sixteen stone man back in the seventies was a very big man. Mm. You know, they were they were rugby number eights in those days. Now they're six foot seven and nineteen twenty stone. But you know, WBC title seventy eight to eighty three, um, the Ring magazine and lineal titles from nineteen eighty to eighty. Mm. The inaugural IBF title, yes, he, he was, was the yeah. champion of 83 in the early 80s, wasn't to 85 as well in the 80s. So, you know, and, but he was one of those guys that he fought the, he fought the mandatory challengers, then he'd fight a couple of, of, of voluntaries, and he'd fight the, 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 the good ones coming up again. George Foreman wasn't around at the time. It's a fight I'd love to have seen. Mm. Um, I'd love to have seen those two fight. As I said earlier in the show, when I mentioned, again, when I mentioned George Foreman to him, he went off on one. Because it really annoys him that he never fought George. He said he knew, and he says this, George Foreman would have had his head jabbed off all day. That's why Foreman never took the fight with him. He wasn't really in the loop at the time because George took 10 years off, of course. Yeah. Came back in eighty uh, in the mid-80s and won a title again. Was out for 10 years. But the point being, Larry Holmes is pro- in my top 10 of all-time heavyweights. He's clearly in the top five or six. Mm. And, th- and you know, when you think of some of the greats, you know, you know Joe Lewis and Muhammad Ali and Foreman and, and going back all the way through, you know, the likes of Rocky Marciano. And I think Klitschko deserves, Vladimir deserves to be in the top 10 in the way he dominated his own era. But to, to, to bring it around to Larry in a great era, which was followed then by the, the Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, Mike Tyson era... It's it, they're all different, and you need a pivotal figure to create that. Holmes was the pivotal figure for a period. Mm. Ali was the pivotal figure for a period. Tyson took up. Mike Tyson took over from um, that period, and we're going to hear from another pivotal figure at twelve thirty because he's just confirmed to me on my phone. We're getting Tyson Fury at twelve thirty tonight. He's had a private function, but he's this, agreed. Well, that could to be entertaining. If he's at a private function, this could be entertaining. Because here's the yeah, I think you're right. Because <laughs> the other thing is. Tyson Fury may end up being the pivotal figure of this area if he can get back in shape, Adam. It's all about that, mentally and physically, if he can get back in shape. Well, we're going to ask him about it, like Gareth said there. Hopefully, he's going to be with us at 12.30. Tyson Fury, fingers crossed on the show. We're hopefully going to get our hands on Frank Warren as well because the uh, Smith-Williams 2 fight has now finished. 
Um, get yourself uh, with us after 12 o'clock because we're going to be hopefully speaking to him. We'll be speaking to Scott Quick, who was ringside as well. And, of course, Gareth was in Dublin last night, so we're going to uh, catch up uh, on everything that Conor McGregor did at Bellator. It's notorious. It is notorious. <laughs> he leapt into that fighting cage. For people that don't follow MMA, Ed, um, he leapt into this Bellator event in Dublin at the Three Arena. Like he was like a an ape climbing into it was like it was like a caged animal man a cage he leapt on his mate Charlie Ward who used to be his bodyguard and mayhem ensued I mean it's done a hundred million views on Twitter but he pushed referee Mark Goddard he he threw a punch at an official he's in deep water. Now, we've also got a preview, uh, Matchroom's first USA car, which is uh, Daniel Jacobs against uh, Arias tonight. Conor Ben's making his American debut. We'll be uh, touching upon that, uh, which gets underway in the early hours uh, of the morning. So make sure you stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, and Gareth there, Davis. With you through till one o'clock. We've got an hour to go and plenty more guests to come as well. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall on TalkSport. Uh, there's been a lot of action tonight in the boxing ring. Uh, Liam Smith has won by majority decision against Liam Williams in Newcastle. Uh, Josh Taylor's come up with an unbelievable victory against the former world champion. And not one of those champions that have only been there for a minute or two. A geezer that was around for five years dominating his division. Uh, Vasquez beating him, stopping him for the first time. 45 fights, never been stopped. Josh Taylor in his 11th fight goes there, stops him in his home city. Absolutely sensational effort. Ninth round stoppage with a vicious body shot. Onwards and upwards for, for Josh. Before we talk uh, to Scott Quigg, who's waiting for us, Josh Taylor, what a talent this kid is. Where do you see him in this division? Oh, I think I think it's going to go all the way, Adam. Uh, I've thought very, very highly of him for a long time. I mean, I think, you know, the McGuigans don't match themselves or, or, or employ boxers and work with boxers who aren't going to go somewhere. He's extremely talented. He's he's tenacious, rapier sharp. Um, when you really saw this matchup, did you think, oof, that's a little bit of a risk at this stage or not? No, not at all. I, he's, I, I think he could fight for a world title in, was it, was this his 11th fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he could, I think he could fight for a world title within two or three fights. Um, that's what they're doing now. Maybe, it, you know, if they want to be cautious, wait till the end of next year, early 2019. But no, I think Vasquez was the perfect name Really good Mexican. Perfect time. Perfect time. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you say, never been stopped. He's now the guy, as you say, that's what everyone's going to be saying now. First man to stop him. Um, Vasquez was probably just over the hill, but well within well within his his parameters right now. It's a terrific night for him because mm. this is the moment where it just signals he steps up again. No. Um, he's going to go all the way. All Exciting times yeah, for the boy yeah. from Scotland. Get excited, Scottish fight fans, because you've got a, a handful on your hands with a Titan Tornado. Um, now, in Newcastle tonight, uh, Liam Smith uh, beat Liam Williams. Majority decision. It did look a very close fight. Now, we watched the second half of this fight, actually, whilst we were doing this show. So yeah. we, we, we missed quite a bit of the action. But one man that was ringside was Beefy's mate, uh, former bantamweight world, uh, world champion. Now a man that's earning his coin in the featherweight division. And he's got the best chippy in Berry, let me tell you. I know, I've been there. He's a cracker, isn't it? I love it. I love oh, his gran. amazing. I love his gran. Oh, I prefer, and his mum. I'll be honest with you. I prefer his gran and his mum and his girlfriend over him. I'll be oh, honest with definitely you. Definitely, yeah. I'd Absolutely, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're mean. <laughs> Scott Quigg, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm very well indeed, mate. Listen, talk to me about the fight before we start taking the mick out of you, mate. How did you see it tonight? Were you confident that your buddy Beefy did the business? Yeah, definitely. I thought it was another good, close, competitive fight. Um, it was a bit more tactical than the than the first fight. Mm. Um, Liam Williams started off well again. Um, Beefy started coming back into it. 
side working the combinations and I had it closer than the more than two of the scorecards. I had lean I had Smith by two rounds, uh, and that was not being biased at all. I thought he'd done it won the fight by two rounds and it was, but it was a good competitive fight and so the right man won. Do you think they're on good evening, Scott? How are you, Gareth? How you doing, Gareth? I'm good, thank you. Um do, do you feel that that Liam is just on a slightly different level to 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 Williams. So Smith is on a slightly different level to Williams, and he proved it tonight by making it a boxing match. Because I, I agree with you. I thought Williams was ahead early on, but but I mean I I was watching it with half an eye because Adam and I are doing a radio show. But <laughs> um, you know I thought it was close. My my feeling was it was close. Did Liam just pro- Liam Smith prove he's just a better boxer tonight? Yeah, he, he proved he was a better boxer and. and- Experience is key, mm. you know. Experience is a, is, is a key, and, and he he knew when to, you know. Like I, I thought Williams was ahead early on. Um, he was boxing very well. He was he boxed better than he did in the first fight. He raised his game again, but um, Smith, he obviously, you know, just the, just the key things that knowing how to win rounds, knowing when to work, when to go for a walk, mm. and just that experience, and then. Going through the gears at the right time, I thought he did. Like I say, he just—I thought he won it by a clear two rounds. Speaking of experience, let's speak about you, mate. Monte Carlo last week, right? Your trainer obviously yeah. trusts you because he decided to knock about with GSP last week. He thought, "Go on, Scotty boy, you could go on your own little trip, sunshine. Get out to yeah, France, go and enjoy yourself." People was make, well, people was making a bit of a big deal about that. I knew that before I even went out to start camp, and he was only uh, working GSP's corner because. Miguel Cotto's in camp, and when Miguel Cotto's in camp, Freddie can't leave the uh, the US. Mm. That's that's his, you know, the daily as we call. So he can travel within the US because it's only a couple of days out of camp, but he cannot leave the US uh, from you know when calls. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. 
Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. But obviously, we've been working for ten weeks together. He had plenty of confidence in me. I had confidence in myself, and you know, Ernie um, who come over with me and Darren Phillips. I was confident that you know they give me the right instructions and give me a what a drink of water at the right time. So he mm. um, was we was all confident, and we'd, the work had already been done. Like I said ten weeks of preparation of doing the right thing. You know, I'm going to just carry that out, and everyone everyone was working together and. So it wasn't a big deal like some people was making a big oh, deal fair like when he was choosing an MMA fighter over me. Hey, at the end of the day, I think uh, GSP would be paying him a bit more than me. <laughs> the, the, what I'd like <laughs> to know is this, though, Scott. You know, given that you're now mixing with all the Hollywood stars yeah, and the yeah, GSP, yeah. when you were over in. Uh, in uh, Monte Carlo last week, did you not think, "My, I need a flat over here rather than running up in the cold, wet, and rain of the hills that you've taken me well, up?" Hang before. on a minute. I, <laughs> I don't know. About you. I don't know if you've seen this, Gareth. I don't know if you've seen this, right? But Scott now is hanging out with centerfold models. I don't know if you've seen well, this. Well, I, no, I expect him to. Oh, he's not messing about. Right? The last time I spoke to Scott, we had a conversation about his beloved Bev, right? So I said, Scott, come on, stop messing about. Put a ring on this girl's finger. Let's get it all sorted. You're getting an house together and all this type of stuff. Now that he's knocking about in Hollywood. He's knocking about with Victoria Sylvester. I don't know if you've seen his... Uh, I'm looking his... at it. I'm oh, looking... mate. I tell you what, it's, it's, it's criminally good. He's posting pictures. It's with... criminally oh, good. Scotty well, boy. Well, well, where are you going? Bev's got one, which we'll, 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 I've, I've now moved into this for anyway, so we've got the ace. That's so right. So I am making some progress in to get back in uh, Bev's good book. <laughs> Every time you come on one of my shows, mate, I kind of wreck your relationship. I do apologise for that. Every time I come on your show, you throw me under the bus. <laughs> so, 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 it's all and I'm always there, so now I know I'm going to be back in Bev's Gareth's got a great um, Miguel Cotto story from years ago, right? What I want to ask you, you're knocking about Miguel. Obviously, you're learning loads of him with regarding the boxing. But yep. I'm a bit concerned about Miguel. Every time I see him on Instagram, pink he's, clogs. Yeah, he's got a new pair of slippers on. They're he's pink. got a new pair I'm of socks get on. Slippers and belters, aren't, aren't they? they? They're cracking. Yeah. <laughs> are you uh, Are you thinking of maybe taking up that attire? Is that what's attracting the likes of Victoria Sylvester? Is that what's how it's working, Scott? I mean, I didn't have the. I've, I've not got a pair of unicorn slippers yet, but I mean, <laughs> I, I do think they would uh, attract uh, Victoria Sylvester. Like, uh, oh well, I think she was just. Uh, Happy with the, the pad work and the <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, don't get wrong. I was the one that spotted her. She didn't. I don't think she had a clue who I was, <laughs> but I spotted her and uh, introduced myself. Of course, she did. To my delight, she was very polite and um, mm. had a chat and would have a thought. So you took advantage. Uh, well done, lad. Well done. Superb. Listen, I'm, uh, I haven't uh, told Gareth about this, but we've got an idea for you, right? Me and Gareth are going into the business on something because we're going to have a way with the Sourlands. We're going to try yeah. and get. The uh, Featherweight World Boxing Super Series. Now, check this out, Scott. Hear me out, sunshine. All right. There's a few quid in this for you. Obviously, me and Gareth are taking 10% at least. Here we go. Check this out, yeah? Yep. Santa Cruz, Mares, Valdez, Selby, Russell Jr. We'll throw Frampton in there. Obviously, yourself, Scotty boy. And I'll tell you something. Once Rigo's had a bit of a ding-dong with Lomachenko, he can come back down in weight and make the Super 8. What do you reckon, eh, Scott? You'd fancy that, that, wouldn't you? 
Listen, I'll be the first one to sign up. And Josh Warrington, I think, should be in there as well. Oh, there you go. There you go. There's there again. And Josh Warrington in there as well. Some we'll talent in that division, yeah. isn't there? Some yeah. talent. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he makes the cut, to be honest with you, Gareth. All right, Gobby. Look at him. He's on it now. He's throwing it around. I, I fed you that line, Scott. Now, <laughs> I'm talking, right, you want to get the ring on the finger soon. Yeah. But what about you getting back in the ring? I've just been in there. Yeah, it's, is it WBA? They've got to fight Leo Santa Cruz and Abinamaras, haven't they? Yeah, I've got the, uh, also I've got the winner of, well, I have, I have got the winner of um, Santa Cruz and Abinamaras. Whether I take... Uh, Fighting between that, uh, depending on when um, I believe they're fighting early March. Uh, so, you know, depending on when, you know, when they'd be ready to fight after that, I maybe have a fight in between that, you know, to keep busy, keep active. If not, if the fight can be made, we're definitely with a with winner. I'll just sit tight, you know, keep training like I do, keep improving, and, you know, I'll go straight into that. So it's a California fight in the summer, maybe, yeah, for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I definitely think it'd be either in Vegas or in California. Most of the Californians, around the grip. Yeah, nice. Well, it's only down the road, isn't it? And your mum loves the old LA lifestyle. She's out there enjoying herself uh, when she comes out to visit. She's living it large, mum, won't she? Oh, yeah. She was getting her own little uh, star on the star Hollywood Star Walk, you know what I mean? Get herself a little star in there. Listen, bud, are you uh, off around Newcastle tonight? Are you driving all the way home? What are you doing? I'm on the way home, mate. Of course you uh, are. Conscientious home. professional on his way back. Listen, buddy, thank you so much for joining us. Cheers, Scott. Uh, we will catch you again. Hey, well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Don't, don't play this to Bev. Don't play this to Bev. All right, mate. <laughs> she's listening, well, I'm probably. Hoping she's not, I'm, I'm going to say I'm hoping she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a bit, lad. Take oh, care. Lovely. Superb, See Scott. You bit, Scott Cheers. Quigg there, uh, former bantamweight world champion. Now we're playing his trade in the featherweight division. He's a good crack. When you read those names out, I, t- I tell you, like you're saying, hey. just having a super series with that, that's a, that'll be Isn't a it? Amazing two, two or three years or two and a half years of fights if if they were kind of like you know quarterfinals maybe a year and a half quarterfinals semifinals and oh. finals with those would be amazing it really would all exciting fights though all exciting fights okay uh, stick around you listen to Fight Night with me Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis. Mr. McGregor should realize that MMA is bigger than him. And at this point, that's the only statement I have for this evening. Thank you. I don't know what the people said to him. Hey, referee put their hands on you and push you back. He might, he might take that as an aggression. He said, we're wild dogs, man. Don't push us. We bite. <laughs> There's a bunch of other things in this world going on that I have to worry about. And uh, I've always made my Thank you so much for the nice comments that you're sending through on social media. Uh, do keep them coming at Adam Catterall, at Gareth A. Davis, DT. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport. Um, we're just going to change tact a little bit now. We're going to go into the world of mixed martial arts because UFC star Conor McGregor got himself into a spot of bother last night at a Bellator 187 event, which my illustrious colleague was actually sat cage side at. This is Fight Night. We're celebrating all aspects of fight sports on this particular show, and we'll do this on a week-to-week basis. Uh, last week... 
We had a wonderful, wonderful weekend of uh, UFC 217. Our very own Michael Bispin, George St. Pierre back in the octagon. We had a wonderful fight between Cody Garbrandt and uh, TJ Dillashaw and Johanna Jadrajek getting beat. And so many wonderful stories. And it was the greatest night for mixed martial arts. It, and it was needed this year. Let's mm. be honest, Gareth. And then... Bet- 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 60 minutes I know you're two- almost speechless aren't you well it's 60 yeah. minutes two hours last yeah, night just yeah. wrecked it all we've well, got one guy failing yeah. a drug test and then Connor doing yeah. what he did yeah. just for those that don't know just explain what you saw last night well I mean you mentioned Anderson Silva testing positive one of the great legends of mixed martial arts testing positive for a drug and won't fight uh, in Shanghai is it yeah yeah um, we're, we're, we're more on that in a minute yeah um, and yeah I went over um, to cover Bellator the Bellator 187 event obviously Bellator were the rivals to the UFC this is why this is so extraordinary um, Conor McGregor's uh, teammate and former bodyguard, actually, Charlie Ward, was fighting in the Bellator event. Obviously, Conor, as you say, is a big UFC star. Um, he's earned 100 million, reportedly 100 million US dollars this year for fighting Floyd Mayweather, crossing over into boxing. He has a guy that was a plumber on the dole six years ago, a yeah. trainee plumber, apprentice plumber on the dole six years ago. He's taken the UFC by storm. He's become the biggest star in the sport, one of the biggest sports stars in the world, if not the biggest sports star in Ireland. You know, um, on the on the on the on the kind of scale of someone like Brian O'Driscoll. Yes, he's edgier. He's more, he's more working class. He's from Crumlin. He's from you know. He resonates with a kind of uh, a young generation who are hip vibe. They have a vibe. They have a an edginess about them. But last night he really overstepped the mark. Um, if anyone who wasn't Conor McGregor had done what I'm about to describe last night, they would have been thrown out of the arena in no uncertain terms and into the hands of the police and Absolutely. taken and arrested. Last night, he was cheering his teammate on in front of us. He was two rows away from me in the media rows. You know, I was watching Charlie Charlie Ward against uh, Paul Redmond, I think it was. Um, Ward got a knockout at the end of the first round. Um, Mark Goddard, the referee, who is really one of the finest referees in mixed martial arts and a great martial artist and a great advocate of the sport. Mixed martial arts doesn't always got to get a great rap. It's just making its way into the mainstream. People like Hoist Gracie, we heard from just there in the package before we started talking about this, obviously one of the legends of the sport. And he's saying when Connor jumped in into the octagon as he did or the, the fighting cage as it's called um, and jumped onto his friend Charlie to celebrate, Mark Goddard had not finished his refereeing process. No. He wanted to check the man who'd been knocked down. That's it. He wanted to check the two fighters were fine. Connor was not a second. He wasn't marked down as a second, if you like, one of the cornermen. He was just someone from the public that had just thrown himself inside. He scaled the cage and jumped in and threw himself like a koala bear into the arms of Charlie Ward. Who, and they collapsed together on one side of the octagon. Mark's pulled, the referees pulled them apart. He's gone over to the other side. Connor's taken umbrage and he's charged over at Mark and pushed him. There's a whole melee of people within, everyone's seen that, 100 million people have seen this now, I understand, mm-hmm. on the internet. Within a few minutes, there's a whole melee and there's 30 people in there. Connor's pushing and shoving. They get him out. He comes back. He climbs up onto the scales, up onto the cage again, and he punches a Bellator official in the face with his left hand. Or he, People have called it a slap, but he definitely hits him. And he's just trying to get him out of there, stop him coming in. It was mayhem in there. I mean, it could have become a riot. Um, everyone was shocked. Mark mm. Goddard told me afterwards, it, not on the record, but that he was so saddened by what happened. But there was history here because Goddard had told Conor McGregor in Poland last month when Conor's teammate Artem Lobov was fighting to pipe down and sit down because he was literally screaming at the edge of the octagon. He was shouting when Artem, instructions when he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, be, he yeah. wasn't a cornerman. He wasn't a second. Yeah. 
And, and, and referees do do that. We see it in boxing as well. They ask the corner to be quiet sometimes. If they're too loud, they want them to be quiet. There's two things here. Um, Connor is a massive role model in the sport. You've got people saying, oh, what's he done? He didn't hurt anyone. No one was killed. No one was injured. This is the wrong message at a fight event. It's the wrong message at a sports event. It's the wrong message with mixed martial arts. It's a very visceral, very dangerous sport. And we delight in the beauty of fight sports, you and I. You know, there, there is a, there's, a, there, there's an urgency about fight sports that isn't in other sports. It's, mm. it's, it's a, it can be a dark, bleak sport at times, but it has a beauty. This, yep. takes, this is a very ugly thing to happen. The underlying current for me, as, as why I love it so much, is the respect. Yeah, exactly. We saw it tonight with Liam Williams and, and Liam Absolutely. Smith. They, they really didn't like each other. They had a beef with each mm-hmm. other. And at the end of it tonight, one man wasn't happy he lost, but they embraced. This was a horrible, ugly scene last night. Connor's got too big. He's got too big for his own boots. He's running Ireland. You know, he's the king of Ireland. He felt he was above the law. Now, it's very interesting what um, uh, Mark Mazzulli, who was the ad hoc commissioner, um, at the event, the Bellator event in, in Dublin last night, I said he's actually from the Mohegan uh, uh, Sun tribe. They they bring ad hoc because Sport England doesn't recognise mixed martial arts as a bona fide sport yet in this country, which is also wrong. Um, they bring in ad hoc committees and commissions yeah. for UFC and Bellator events in the UK. So when they when they travel here, so Mark Mazzulli has he he's also the president of the Association of Boxing Commissioners in in America. He's a very influential man, and last night I spoke to him and he, he didn't say much. He just said Conor McGregor's got to realise he's not bigger than the sport. Today he's come out with a much stronger statement, which is he's describing it as assault. Yeah, and it was inappropriate behaviour, and there's going to be some serious action taken against Conor McGregor. Not only that, Adam, the biggest thing that Connor's done wrong here. He wants a slice of the UF, UFC pie. He's become a massive figure. He makes 60 to 70, sometimes more for the UFC, every million, sorry, dollars, every time he fights. And he wants a look into the company. He yeah. wants a slice of the action. He wants a promoter's cut. He's what he shifting wants. the paradigm for other fighters. He's doing a great thing. He's, he's a wonderful young man. You know, and you know, I've, I've done three documentaries on him for BT Sport. I've been around him a lot. I've, I helped to put... <laughs> I helped to you did. It. I told you last I, week you did. But we do. It's what we do anyway. But it's, it's what we do in our job. But, you know, but I have pushed for him to get these things. Things. And he's just got to wind his neck in, wind himself in a little bit, get his feet back on the ground. This might be it. As Tony Ferguson, who also spoke on the package, yeah. said just then, it wouldn't surprise him if Connor vacated the UFC uh, 155-pound, the well, lightweight belt. It wouldn't surprise me no. either. Well, in fight sports, we have seen this thing before. We have seen young guys... Implosion, isn't it? Well, we've seen young guys rise to the top, emphatically yeah. rise to the yeah. top, and then implode. Mike Tyson is a prime example yeah. of that. And I saw that last night. Obviously, it was doing the rounds on social media, and I saw the videos coming in, and I thought to myself, no, this can't be the beginning of the end. Because I've seen it so many times before, and that's what that looked like to me. He needs some good people around him, and he has. He's got a great family around him. He just needs... His father, Tony, was oh, there last he night. He some... won't have been pleased with that's that. That's it. Mean, Get was... a hand around him and just yeah, tell yeah. him. His mother, Margaret, and his father, Tony, are, are, are really, really cool people. Um, but I think Connor's gone from, um, you know, he's incredibly confident. He's got so much self-belief. He's got t- almost two generations of young fighters coming up behind him in John Kavanagh's SPG gym. They've done an incredible thing there. You know, a lot of the British stars, people like Michael Bisping, you know, Ross Pearson, Dan, Dan Hardy, a lot of these guys... Uh, emigrated their skills and their styles to America and made it in America because it it hasn't pockets of excellence haven't developed in the UK as they have in Ireland. It's MMA mad over there yeah. because I've done a bit of work on TV with the UFC and Fox and Fuel and ESPN in the past. 
I'm almost like a celebrity myself over there, you know, because there are so many fans of MMA. No, but it's not just that. I know you're laughing. But you cannot, <laughs> I you, understand. You, no, you, I am. Every Irish MMA fan wants to chat about MMA for half an hour. You can literally spend a whole day getting from one end of the bar to the other. I don't mind that sometimes. But when, great. It, it's great fun. But once you've had 10 Guinnesses on the way through there, it's hard. But what I'm trying to say is they are amazing fans Connor has this whole generation eating out of his hand and I really like him and I think he's a brilliant person and I have said to him before could you get involved in politics and so on but there is a real danger as you are saying of this young man imploding we've seen it with Mike Tyson we've seen it even Evander Holyfield who had you know yeah. so many children and he was still fighting because of the alimony he was paying for all his children to go to college I think they've all just through college now and it, it has an effect on well, these people's it. lives he's, he's a normal guy right he's a normal guy now that finds himself as the hottest property in fight sports there's no question about that he is the hottest property there's a reason why Floyd Mayweather came out of uh, retirement to fight this particular guy because he made him a boatload of cash simple as that he has gone from the dole to a hundred million in less than five years that is crazy absolutely crazy now imagine yourself as a human being trying to get your head around dealing with that that could that would send any of us absolutely crazy, wouldn't it? It'd send us all crackers. So he's just got to calm it down just a touch. He doesn't have to it doesn't have to be the centre of attention every time. He doesn't have to be this big show every single time. Especially when it's not even his fight or even his promotion. He stole he stole Michael Conlon's thunder in a way in New York when he made his debut there. Absolutely. No, I mean I think what what it really needs, I mean, I do I do think it seems to me from Mazzuli's comments today by making the word assault, because if 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 the Bellator official decides to take criminal action yep. against McGregor for doing it, because, you know, if someone from the public, as I said, went and did that, they would be have criminal action against them because there would be, you know, there would be police action, there would be they would be reported to the police. Because Connor is a mixed martial artist and fights in an octagon or a cage or a combat arena or whatever you want to call it, um, the the... It doesn't mean he can go in there and, and throw his hands around and push people around whenever he feels like it. No. Yes, he was in his hometown of Dublin. Yes, he runs Dublin in a way at the moment in that sense. But someone needs to get a hold of him. And I think it needs to be someone close to him and say, you need to calm it down. He's no. obviously got too many yes men around him at the mm. moment. Um, because otherwise he will go off the rails. And Which would be a shame because well, we love him. But, but the other thing is, the, 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 the funny thing is, the PR blunder... Not not as far as Bellator are concerned. A hundred million views of their event last night, which was on tape delay in America, so it went viral on the internet, and they had millions of people watching it in America. And he fights for the UFC. Yeah, the so other. It, it's it's a it, it, Connor's a star. Make no question about it. He is an absolute star. Um, but stars have. You know, they, 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 they rise and they fall. I just hope he's not a shooting star that's not going to kind of fire away and burn away too quickly. Mm. Now, on last week's show, you alluded to it there. On last week's show, I did say to you that you were responsible for Conor yeah. McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, because you put it in his head and away we go, okay? Now, recently, you've caught up with an absolute legend of mixed martial arts in Hoist Gracie. Uh, and one of the questions that you asked him, and you've alluded to it several times on the show tonight, is whether both boxing and MMA can survive together. Because over in the States, you'd say that MMA is probably more popular than the boxing here we go boxing over MMA at this moment in time mm. is there a transition is everything changing can they exist together well this is what Hoyce had to say I don't think it's MMA is in competition with, with any sport or boxing or wrestling or anything karate taekwondo no it's not they're different sports they're totally different it's a friendly uh, competition but there's a space for um, having uh, Bellator in one night and another different MMA show in the next night and a boxing match on the same weekend. 
it's a, there's a space for everybody. You see, they're totally different sports. People a lot of times try to confuse, well, they're both uh, combat sports. No, yes, but no, they're different, different rules. There's guys that love boxing, but they can't stand MMA. And there's people that love MMA, but they cannot stand boxing. A lot of people love BJJ or wrestling only or judo, but they can't stand it. You see, so it's different sports, different, different sports, different crowd. What, what did we learn from? Did we? Did McGregor do anything against Mayweather? Did Mayweather toy with him? In your view, I mean, did does a does a mixed martial artist ever have any chance against uh, a guy from boxing? On that fight, I think it showed that if it was an MMA, McGregor would have eaten him alive. <laughs> It wouldn't last one round. You see, not even three minutes. I don't think McGregor would have beat him in three less than that. You see, less than the three-minute boxing round. So, but in boxing, um, Mayweather showed that McGregor does not stand a chance. I say all the time, don't ever play another man's game. McGregor, I mean, Mayweather toy with him on the first three rounds. Didn't I mean the first three rounds or four rounds? Didn't even throw a punch. It's uh, the fight didn't start until the fourth round when Mayweather started to really throw punches, and then that was. But the first three rounds was like just to show the people, hey, the guy doesn't stand, shouldn't be standing here. Uh, the great hoist, Gracie, talking to Gareth, who, uh, by the way, choked Gareth out, didn't he? He put, he put his arms on you, he put the python on you. The the anaconda assassin, I call him now, because he slips that in that rear naked choke, and I tell you, it's it is it does no pain. It's kind of like this weird feeling. It's no pain, but it's huge fear. Can I just when point you this out. To... Gareth did this for fun, right? He's <laughs> yeah. a sicko when it gets like this. He does things like this. How, he, he gets how can impu- you add? How can you not be choked <laughs> out by one of the greatest, <laughs> most revered f- fighting assassins Gareth, of all time? Most people ask for a selfie or an autograph, yeah, no, right? Enough. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good point. It's a very good point. Can you actually. put me in a rear naked shock <laughs> and put me to sleep? That's not the question that you normally ask me. <laughs> oh no! Actually, do you know what? The truth is, he didn't give me a choice. He was like, "I am going to choke you out now." Well, You're not going to argue. You don't, you, don't, you don't refuse, do you? you don't Listen, refuse. This guy fought six foot eight people. He fought what's his name, Akabono. I can't yeah. remember his name. Akabono, legend. Six six foot eight, thirty nine stone, and, mm. and d- destroyed him with an omoplata, which is wrapping his leg and his arm around the guy's shoulder and an arm and bending the the the, the, the guy's arm. It's incredible. Listen, we are we're going to keep you up to date with the development of the Con McGregor story after what happened last night at Bellator one eight seven. Uh, I've no doubt we'll have an update for you on next week's show. So make sure you come back to us. Lots of questions tonight. Whether this is going to be a podcast? Yes, it is. Keep an eye on both Gareth and my own uh, Twitter feed. We will put the link up there for you as well, as will Talk Sport. That's Talk Sport, at Talk Sport, at Adam Catterall, at Gareth A. Davis, uh, DT. Make sure you get all over those Twitter feeds because we'll keep it today. With everything that's going on on Talk Sport, your brand new home for fight sports. Fight Night with Adam Catterall on Talk Sport. I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now. Cause I can't get so 
Uh, thank you very much for your uh, kind words on our social media. It's quite nice actually to get kind words on our social media, Gareth. Oh, I, 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 I like the haters. Do you? I love the haters. I love the haters hating my trousers, the way we stand, the fact we're wearing gloves. No, of course I don't. I, I love it when people enjoy our show. We're really enjoying our show. Fight sports is amazing at the moment. It's great to be on with you, Adam. Absolutely. It, 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 look, it's there's never. I, I've been covering boxing for about 25 years, MMA for 15 or so. There's never been a greater time in fight sports in my life, anyway. Do you know who's been covering boxing longer than you, me, and a few others put together? Mr. Frank Warren? I think it is Mr. Frank Warren, yeah. I think it is Mr. Frank Warren. Shall we get Mr. Frank Warren on the show? Yes. I, I think we should. Uh, Mr. Frank Warren, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? You good? Well, I'll tell you, that's a bit of an intro you give me there. Oh, just about every Coco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, listen. No, all good. All good. We've got a very good show this evening in Newcastle. And, yeah. Uh, uh, I've actually watched it. We watched, we watched it the first Good half, point. and then we had to start yeah. the show because you know I know what your shows are like. You get all these. You get to, your undercards are too competitive, Frank. That's what it is. They go a little yeah, bit longer than I'm everybody else. You said that, and that's yeah. what I like. We like to deliver to the fans. We want them to get as competitive as we can give them. So it's good. It's so, good we wa- so we watched the second half. We watched the second half of Smith-Williams um, yeah. in the studio. So we had one eye on it. And it did look very nip and tuck. Frank, in your own opinion, right man won majority decision? Yeah, I think he. I think the last two rounds, um, he won them, I thought, not say convincingly, but he, well, he won those last two rounds. And I think that was the difference. So, you know, he could have got it by two, three rounds. Certainly the last two did it. It was very, very close going in. It's funny, people who are sitting around us, uh, you know, they were, Scored it differently. Some, some had it going into the last round, six, four, five all. Yeah. So there was all that, you know, that it's one of those type of fights. But um, he certainly won the last two rounds and, and obviously now set himself up for a fight. Uh, the winner of a Cotto fight, which takes place in December. Yeah. And if Cotto decides he's going to vacate then and then wins the fight, then he'll uh, fight for the vacant title in the new year. Do you think they set up Frank for... I, I mean, I I was, with half an eye on it, I was thinking that Williams was just shading it. But, you know, I need to watch it kind of fully and properly with, with, no, without I've us... Tra- it, it, it was, it was, there was a couple of rounds in there that he really won on well. Mm. And it was that type of fight. You know, you... It, and I and I wouldn't argue with you about that. You know, somebody, somebody else I was talking like, oh, you're mad. You know, this one won it by that one. But it's one of those fights where... Not so much. Nip. I know you used the phrase "dip and tuck," but it was just they were just close. There was one, you know. There's some good shots thrown. There was throwing some, you know, good punches. Certainly a good work rate, and it was very absorbing. So absorbing fight to watch, you know. Certainly if you're in the game. Is that- and I just felt it was. I, felt, I just felt you know you. I can understand why somebody had, mm. you know, one limb in front of the other one. Mm. We've had, Frank, we've had, a, we've had a dirty scrap between them. We've had a boxing match between them. Can you see them having a third fight at some point? The what fight? We've had a dirty fight between them. We've had a real dirty scrap between them, an ugly scrap. We've had a boxing match between them now. Can you see a third fight down the line as well? Yeah, I can. I mean, hopefully, uh, Liam Smith goes on. Well, he will do. A fight for the vacant, a fight for the title. And if he wins it, be a great first defence to make a rematch. Yeah. A, a nice trilogy. Now, Frank, come on. Let's not mess about. Newcastle done. You, I can tell you're in the bar enjoying yourself, right? Because you're celebrating a wonderful card. No, no, that's my iPad. Get <laughs> out, man. Get out. Listen, next week, I Belfast. Know, I just feel well drink too much ice in that. Listen, Belfast <laughs> is going to be something else. We were there it a is. couple of weeks ago for Ryan Burnett's fight. 
we, as we were walking down the street, people were stopping us, talking to us about Frampton, constantly talking to us about Frampton, because I was with Jamie Moore on that night, and it was constant, constant Frampton. This week is going to be absolutely crackers over there, isn't it? Well, I, I, I think so. I mean, it's, I've got to be honest, on paper, it's one of the best shows I think I've ever put on in Belfast. Yeah. You know, you've got two good world title fights there. You've got Jamie Conlon fighting. Um, I can't pronounce the guy's name from the Philippines. It's a tough, tough fight for him. But every fight he has is a tough fight. He's that type of fighter, Jamie. Um, if, him, if, if, the, if Guts and the, 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 the fans and the emotion that's going to come with it win fights, then he could win it. But he's really up against it. He's a tough fight, and I hope he does pull it off. And then I'm taking Zaloni Tessi over oh, there. Oh, what a fighter. Who, who, what a fighter he is. Well, you know, he, I mean, he beat my rise with star, Paul Butler. He's with me now. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, you know, we're trying to make Ryan Burnett. Unification fight. They don't, no one wants anything to do with this guy. This guy is a really good quality act. So we're taking him to Belfast so that everybody can see what a great unification fight it'll be if, you know, if Teddy comes through with him and Ryan Burnett early next year. So we'd like to get that on. And obviously the old cherry on the cake, cherry on the icing on the cake, yeah. is Carl. And, uh, and, you know, he's now with his new trainer and hopefully he beds down okay with him. And then next year set himself up for uh, getting involved in some uh, world title fights. Frank, apart from the, you know, the homecoming for, for Carl Frampton, Jamie Conlon against Joe and Acajas, who you mentioned just now, the, um, the Filipino. and um, It's been a great month or so for you. We were talking earlier on the show about, we've talked about the heavyweight division, all the movement in that last week, kind of, you know, on social media and things happening with Tyson Fury and UK anti-doping. And I'll ask you about that in a minute. Um, but it's been a great time for you in terms of the last couple of months, in terms of the balance coming back to your stable with Lee Selby coming over to you um, and also James DeGale coming to you. It's, it's, a, it's a great balanced stable with established world champions because as Adam alluded to and as I know with your stable, you've got a load of very promising young fighters. It's a much, you know, it's a nice time for you to go into 2018 as well, isn't it? No, I, I, do, I do agree with that. I mean, you know, it, it is and I'm, I'm, I'm highly delighted as far as that's concerned. But I've got to be honest with you, I'm, as you said, I've been in this business now for 100 years. <laughs> and the bottom line is, I've seen this happen so many times. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, you're written up. Oh, he's gone this one time. Boxing cyclical, and it happens. And it's who's ever got whatever TV. Um, TV is what it's all about at the end of the day. It's the strength of the, of the pound, that you, the money that you generate from TV. And that helps. And now we're, we are, we're, we're with BT hmm. and uh, Box Nation. You know, we're all working together. This has this been a game changer. And I knew it would happen eventually, and it's been a hard slog, but we've got there. And I know I'm, I know I feel I'm, I can be not arrogant, but I can feel confident enough to say I know what I'm pretty good at doing. And we're going to build boxing on BT, which we've been doing, as you mentioned earlier, with great competitive undercards and so forth, as well as a good, good main events. We're going to build boxing on BT the same way I built it on Sky, the same I built it on ITV, the same I built it on Satanta. Mm. You know, I've been down this road so many times. But I think now, it's, I think there's a real, you know, there's a real um, movement in boxing in, in, in the UK. It's been so fantastic. You know, the, the response from the fans, it's, it's like, you know, I can think about 10 years ago, it was a similar situation. I think I had about eight world champions then. And it was a similar similar scenario. What's good now is it's competitive because there are other promoters. It's promoter against promoter where basically I did most, yeah. most of the time to myself. 
And that makes it competitive. And the people who benefit from that are the fans. And that's like your like your yeah. your your listeners. They, you know, they're they're what you're all about, and that's what I'm all about. I'm about the fans, and I just all I want to do is deliver. And I'm, you know, and I know that with the next year, we're setting ourselves up for some really exciting fights, some exciting times, and hopefully some some British successes on the world scene. Well, on that, Frank, Gareth had mentioned earlier on that sometimes we don't necessarily get the fights that we want as fans because of politics in boxing. I'm just looking at the stable that you've got now in the featherweight division, my friend, and uh, with the likes of Frampton, Selby, Warrington. Woo! And, you, and you're working with them all, my friend, all on the same platform. We've got to see them next year, haven't we? Well, of course you will. You know, it's no different when I put Steve Collins in with Nigel Ben, uh, Eubanks in with Steve Collins. I mean, that's what we do. You know, Nassim Hamid, when he was coming through, he fought everybody. Um, you know, he fought Steve Robinson, he fought all the guys. We, we make the fights happen. That's what the fans want. And listen, it's not the end of the world for somebody who loses. Yeah. You know, the, the guys, so somebody loses a fight, they come back. It's, you know, it's not the end of the world if you lose. It's all about picking yourself up. And I'm a prime example from that. You've got to show a bit of grit, get your, get your act together and come back again. And fighters are gritty people, you know, and, and hopefully um, we make those three fights and, and uh, sorry, those, those three guys all fight each other. And who knows where that leads? You know, again, you can wind up with a trilogy of fights. There's no reason, for example, you know, as you mentioned earlier, is, is that if Liam, Liam, Liam Smith was to go and win the world title, his first defence is against Liam Williams. You know, Liam Williams is now getting gained more experience. Yeah. I think he's quite, I think, you know, he, He's stepped up to the plate, and that fight will bring him on. He lost it, but it'll bring him on. Get him a couple of wins, and there's another fight to be made. So boxing is about making making these fights happen, making the fans get make, giving the fans what they want, not, and, and trying to deliver the fights when the fighters are not their prime, not when somebody is, you know, like what I mean. I, I mean this with the greatest respect. Well, you wait your ages for Lennox Lewis to fight Mike Tyson. The time he fought Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson was a shadow of himself. Fair point. That's not being disrespectful. No, no, no. absolutely. Lennox Lewis, no, fair you point. know, and I like to see the fight these guys doing it when they're in their prime, and that's really what we want to be doing. And, uh, and the fight we put on tonight, these two guys, you know, they're in their prime. There's no, there's not an old guy and a young guy coming through. Not a passing of the baton. They were both, they're both young guys. Frank, um, we've we've talked a lot, Adam and I, about the heavyweight division tonight as well, and. Um, you know, um, I mentioned Daniel Dubois, who you and I spoke about. I mean, you, you're very keen always to talk, talk to me about Daniel Dubois because you think so highly of him. Do you think it was good signs last week with the kind of outing of the case with UCAD and Tyson Fury that we might get some kind of resolution going forward? Because I know you have some interest in it. I, I think they've got a problem, UCAD. Um, and I'll tell you why. I don't know how they can be unbiased in this matter. Because I read on, I think it's on BBC website or one of the websites, I read that they, they, that UK have been to see the government and asked for backing, um, or the Minister of Sport were able to get backing because they, they're worried that if, if uh, worried that Tyson Fury may sue them. Now, if that's the case, and I'm talking about if I was if I was representing um, if, if representing Tyson uh, in that hearing, I, the, the first thing I'd be saying: you guys have to disqualify yourself from hearing this. Because you've gone, the only way you can, the only way you can stop him from suing you is to find him guilty. Mm. 
Because yep. if you find him not guilty, you kept him out of the ring for two years. Yeah. Whatever reason, he's been out of the ring for two years. Who's ever kept, who's ever kept him, allegedly kept him out of the ring. Whoever it is, you've been out of the ring for two years. In that time, you've had um, Lucas Brown get tested positive for Chechnya. In Chechnya, when he fought for his world title, his WBA version of a world title. He's still fighting. Um, yeah. And he's back fighting. Yeah. He's had Altiz. He's just said that they're going to have a year out. And that'll mm. be it. Povetkin. And I think you had Shannon Briggs, Povetkin. And this, these guys have been banned and back fighting again while Tyson Fury is still unable to fight. Yeah. So something's wrong. And I, and I think this thing is how they've allowed this to drift on for two years is beyond me. Mm-hmm. I just think it's, I think it's, I don't see how anyone comes out of this with any grace. Uh, how, I mean, let's put it this way. If it was a football player or a rugby player or a tennis player or a racing car driver or a cricketer, do you think there'd have been two years before this came up? No. The answer to that we all know is no. It would have been heard very quickly. Hmm. And most, most times it is. So how they've allowed this to happen is beyond me. How after they said they allegedly found him positive in the first place, how they allowed Yui Fury to have five fights, four or five fights, after being tested according to them positive, is a joke. It's allow- very, very peculiar. No, it's it very... And we, we, you know, those of us working in the industry, Frank, have said it for so long. There are lots yeah. of things that don't stack up and don't make sense here. It just you know. doesn't... There's no sense. I don't know if it's incompetence. I don't know what mm. it is, mm. but at the end of the day... It's a mess. Absolute and, mess. But the bottom and, line and, is, don't we want him back in the ring? That, because look at well, look at what we've got at the moment. There's two things that happen. We want him back in the ring. We want to make sure that he... Obviously, the boxing board of control are going to see him regarding his, his, uh, his admitted taking cocaine. And he obviously... And, he, and he, his mental issues. So he's got to appear before the board and he's got to satisfy him, which is a separate matter. But of course we want him back in there. He needs to be back in there. But at the moment, he's seven, eight stone, eight stone over fight and weight, which is a great shame. But he's been sitting around with no direction, not knowing what's going on, and that cannot be right. Yeah. And it's the prime, his prime years. You know, this is—he's not getting a—you know—he's not got another job. This is his job. And if he was guilty, if he is guilty, he'd have served his time by now and been back fighting a year mm. ago. No, he would have been. Frank, listen, thank you so much for coming on. Great show tonight in Newcastle. Enjoy Belfast. We're looking forward to it. Should be an absolute cracker. Have a wonderful evening, I mean, mate. Take care. I'm, I'm enjoying Newcastle. <laughs> They're all going to merge bye, into bye. one by the sound of it. You enjoy yourself. Take care. Cheers, Frank. <laughs> uh, Frank Warren there off the back of uh, Liam Williams, uh, Liam Smith tonight, where Liam Smith has uh, picked up a majority decision win. Next week, it'll be all about Frampton. We'll be getting stuck into that. Fight night with Adam Catterall on TalkSport. I've done something new for this fight. I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean I make medicine sick. Come on! Based in Bootsy Collins, you versus me, that's like Ali versus Foreman. God's act, stand back and watch. Devil's time out, can't be time with no swatch. Watch who I am, the black Abraham. Now, this won't surprise you. We did mention around about 45 minutes ago that Tyson Fury was uh, at a party uh, and he might come on the show. He's at a party. <laughs> he ain't coming yeah, on the show. Yeah, but we will... I'll probably chat to him after the show on my phone anyway. <laughs> he will ring us at yeah. five past one. That's when he will ring us when the show is finished. Yeah, I'll have a chat to him in the car on the way home, but I'll let you know next week what it says. I might even record the conversation. Please do, mate, it out. please do. Uh, now, that song that we were just playing there uh, was the final ever recording 
of the Fugees, oh, teaming yeah. up with Buster Rhymes, teaming up with a, t- uh, a tribe called Quest. The song is called Rumble in the Jungle. You will have heard a little yeah. bit of Muhammad Ali at the start of there because that song is from the film, uh, which is featuring in tonight's Cultural Corner. And with, obviously, Gareth being away last week and jetting around the uh, United States of America, he's come back in this week, bit of a bee in his body. He said, listen, I'm choosing, the, I'm choosing the Cultural Corner this week. This is where we're going. And you've gone with... When we were kings. There's no bee in my bonnet, baby. I sting <laughs> like a butterfly. <laughs> but what a wonderful, what a wonderful, would, would you class it as a film or would you class it as a documentary? Uh, it's a documentary film. It's a beautiful piece and, of art. No, it's, a, I, 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 one, it's one of my favourites because um, I spent so much of my life, I mean, I, th- I think I was influenced to be a boxing uh, writer or boxing correspondent through Muhammad Ali. I found him so inspiring in life. I think he was an incredible figure. And, you know, obviously the rumble in the jungle um, between uh, Muhammad Ali and, and George Foreman in, in 1974 in Kinshasa, Zaire, is, um, is one of the, is, well, it's the most watched heavyweight fight of all time. And, and what the, one of the reasons is because this generation, since, certainly since 96 when the film was made, and it won, of course, uh, the, the Academy Award in 97, yeah. Leon Gast. Um, it won the Academy Award when we were kings, depicting the rumble in the jungle. And as you say, the Fuji's there. Oh. The, the, the funny thing is, Adam, Leon Gast, who, who made um, films about the Grateful Dead and Hell's Angels and the counterculture in the 60s, it's, the, it's 50 years since the Summer of Love. I, I love, you know, Haight-Ashbury and the hippie revolution in America, and I want to go to... And, hey, what am I worried about? It's Culture Corner, so I can keep going like this. This is it. Um, you no, don't have the, to go... This is it. The whole <laughs> section now is about how, how the world of fight sports merges into either music, into film, into it TV, really or whatever. Well, well, I think there's so many... You know yourself. I mean, I, I, you know... You love this stuff so much, like I do. You know, I consider myself a fight intellectual. That um, there is something very emotive, very powerful, very deep about people that fight and why they fight. Muhammad Ali fought for for freedom. He fought for black people. He fought for 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 himself. People fought, use it as a metaphor it, for life. Don't it they? is a metaphor, and 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 this fight when we were kings oh. depicted the African American taking the heavyweight title back to Africa. It was like a historic thing. Leon Gass went there to make a film about James Brown and the Fugees and all these guys. You know, this music that went along with them. Soul Fever is the movie? Uh, Soul Power. Soul Power, is sorry. the film that came Watch off the back the, of it. Yeah, it did. It came off the back of it. But originally it was, they were yeah. going there to make this film. Yeah. But James Brown paled in insignificance next to Ali, apparently, but for the filmmakers. Because this golden light Leon Gass, the filmmaker, told me, yeah. just bathed on Ali the whole time. It's like every time he spoke, you'd sit down by the river with him and you'd film him for two hours and it was like there was a majesty coming out of him. And, and, and a lot of people who I vicariously interviewed to do things about Ali's life, because my career was when he wasn't really speaking, yeah. believe it or not, my career in boxing. So they talk about him, and, and there is an, this reverence and this aura that he had, and this film is all about that. And you know, we know all the things with Ali running in his boots along the mud, the mud-strewn roads, and with all the the locals, the Zaidians, where they're all singing Ali Bombay, which has killed George, which has you know killed George Foreman, and that you know, the, it's it's just a wondrous film. If you've never seen it, you really should go and see it. It won an Academy Award for a reason in '97, and of course, it helps the fight had a little bit of something oh, about it as well, so, doesn't it? But it's it's so amazing that really that what. That they they were about to have the fight, you know. And you've got the backdrop of this dictator Mobutu in um, 
in Zaire at the time, who had all the criminals shot in this this arena. I mean, I remember Colin Hart and Alan Hubbard, who are still uh, working journalists today, who were at that fight covering it live, saying they had a tour of the uh, the stadium before the fight. And there were all these blood stains on the walls when they were coming out into the arena. This was before the fight took place. It was in fight week, and um, apparently it was just where all the the criminals had been shot before all the overseas journalists uh, had arrived. All these kind of things. There was a flood on the night of the fight, and the, the film really depicts. I think it's a great culture corner addition Absolutely. to our to the to our to the beginning of our treasure trove for the show. Now there might be some um, younger uh, listeners to this show. Younger listeners well, I hope to the there po- are. Yeah, younger but listeners. If you're the- under nine, you should be in bed. Yeah, if, well, they might be listening on the podcast. You never know because <laughs> oh, it that's is available. All right, then. Absolutely, uh, but there might be some young ones on there that have never seen when we were kings. We've got some young people working with us, Gareth, who said, "I don't know what you're talking about. Get it in your get it in your locker." I've done a little bit of research for you where you can get your hands on it today. It is available on Netflix, you know. You can get it on your Netflix subscription. So if you've got one, get your hands all over this. When We Were Kings, um, it featured that song that I've just talked about there regarding Fuji's last ever recording, Rumble in the Jungle. It is about the Rumble in the Jungle between Ali and Foreman. Definitely go and check it out. And it won an Academy Award in 1997, as Gareth said there. A wonderful addition uh, to Cultural Caller because we do like to cross over on a week-to-week basis. Listen, thank you so much uh, for your time today. We've had an absolute blast. Hope you've enjoyed it as well. It is available on a podcast this, and we will be back next week from 10 o'clock. Say goodnight, Gareth. Good night, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson, and me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of How I'd Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here.